Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Now with 100% more mech suits. Which is wild! <laughs> you got some Starfinder in the Pathfinder. <laughs> You'll be impressed once you actually get a chance to identify and look at this thing. Its caster level is so high, though, that even Hollis failed to identify. <laughs> I rolled yeah. a 10. I only rolled a 10, y'all. It happens. Maddening. But yeah, when last we left our heroes, the doorkeepers, now in the furthest reaches of the northern parched dunes, had uh, met with the Amuron. You know, it just occurred to me that this thing is a stupid, powerful magic item, and that's probably why there's the obelisk of anti-magic here, is to hide this thing, not necessarily the valley. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe that is why this place has been hidden. But anyway, the party speaking with the Amaran, well, they first off met back up with Masika's mentor mm-hmm. and yeah. learned that this uh, entire valley here is, in essence, shielded from divinatory and extraplanar magic, which seems to have also stopped any of the divinations in attempting to reach her. And that she was also unable to reprepare spells and contact her own people due to the fact that she has lost her familiar, which is a baby snake named Safa. It's one of those cute little sidewinding snakes. Aww. Anyway, it's currently being held in a cage or something somewhere. Or I guess a terrarium because a cage doesn't really slow a snake. It would be a terrarium snake. for sure. <laughs> terrarium. It would be funny they put it in like a bird cage and it's just like away. <laughs> I can't get out because I can only sidewind. Anyway. <laughs> I'm trapped, help me. Nima had then introduced the party to the rather eccentric leader of the catfolk, Kerbal. Yeah, that 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 dude's weird. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's de- <laughs> definitely like. Should you really be the leader? Not he's sure. Just he's just the oldest yeah. one. Yeah. Well, also he was like the one that lit the fire at the other place. So they're like, he must be smart. I mean, that was smart. <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, he has some common sense, but. You're just like, you must know all the answers to everything. He's like, nope, I was just J Random NPC working down in the town. I wasn't up there with all the super special crap that was going on. (laughs) But after meeting with Kerva, the party gained permission to go down beneath the sands here, beneath the uh, Amaran encampment here in this hidden valley and had discovered an ancient bronze statue that was more than meets the eye. When they when they they inserted the control rod that they had found and learned that not only is it a control rod in a very literal sense in that it is a steering column, but it is also the key to access this statue's internals, which allows one to climb climb inside all Iron Man suit or uh, Anthem or uh, Fallout. If you're looking at the like Fallout Four and the way they climb inside the Power yeah, this is a large size statue, so I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah, it comfortably fits one <laughs> inside. I will of it. say that Hollis had uh, backed way the heck away from this thing toward the entrance of this room when Citra when Masika was going to poke the yes, rod in. She did say this. <laughs> I'm really hoping it's not like this, but it would be hilarious if this was just some kind of really weird like magical construct with swallow hole and that's why it fits one person in it and just traps them in there. Uh, all I know is that Hollis was like, uh-uh, I'm wandering off. I don't know what that is. I can't recognize it. Well, especially because it's giving off like crazy amounts of evocation for <laughs> us. It's going to explode. And transmutation, which is interesting. It's going to it's gonna transmute whoever's inside of it into an explosion. Uh. 
You become the battery. Oh, oh no. Yes, the party opening this up looking inside uh, had seen that it could uh, comfortably fit one individual inside this complex clockwork mechanic structure since Chisisek apparently solved all of his problems by building more complicated clockwork solutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? I mean, it's, you know, play to your <laughs> strengths. I like, I like to think that this was literally his solution to, I can't reach things on the top shelf. I know, 10 foot tall mech suit. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't put it past Chisisek to think that way. Or it he's one of those, I want to build a bigger mech, but man, these gears are just getting too heavy. Mech suit. <laughs> However, once the party had opened this and uh, Masika decided I'm going to start to try to climb in, the walls in the back section of the room, portions of the plaster had fallen away and cracked free as a quartet of mummified Uboski lynxes had broken free from where they were interred inside of the walls. Two of them actually already having been mostly free, as you believe that they may have been the ones responsible for shredding this other guy. That makes sense. That had come mm-hmm. down here before. And... As we begin, I suppose let's go ahead and get initiative from the party. Oh my. But uh Hollis is not ready. A little bit of Sirenscape here. Sirenscape fight lynxes. Yeah, so Citrid apparently does not want a repeat of the last time we fought Uboshkis, because <laughs> I roll real well. Me too. I rolled a six for a thirteen. There I am hiding at the back of the room like uh-uh. <laughs> big magic thing that I don't understand. I'm just saying, like, this thing has glowing green eyes. If it, uh... Evocation, it, it probably like a, has a ray attack. Yeah, if it has, like, a ray attack heat vision thing, I'd be super happy. I'm also getting, like, some kind of, like, slight Ultraman vibes from it because of the, the, like, little two snakes thing. Hmm. All right. Combat begins. Hollis Starkweather. I got a 13. I rolled a 6. Sudikantar. I roll a 17 for a 20. Masika of the Bakken. Masika also rolls a 17 for a 20. Uh-oh. <laughs> Time for a roll-off. Roll-off! I roll a 2 for a 5. I roll a 5 for an 8. Goes to Masika. Getting that suit. That's Citra Nahamra. Citra rolled a 19 for a 25. I got the Uboski here. Oh, man, they're real fast. Uh-oh. So combat begins... Citra Nahamra, first initiative. Oh, okay. I was about to say, you were making out like I just lost that. You only just barely won it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do you guys want me to rush forward and try to give you some time to I mean, yeah, I was going to try these, to buy but... Masika time to get in the suit. Yeah, because you've I still got to put the power source in. So you're not going to mess up my plan. The only thing is that they can flank me pretty easily. Why don't you shoot uh, them with bees? Are you not immune to f- No, flank? she lost that no, that's for just her. For- oh, yeah, I know you gave that up. Okay, well then. Yeah. Well, I was going to get in the flank, too, to try to stop as many of them in case they have pounce from pouncing. As you turn back and look over these things, by the way, uh, you can tell that there are, there are four of these lynxes. They are wrapped in linen, which is somewhat falling off, and beneath that you can see the matted fur and the desiccated flesh beneath. All four of them are exceptionally large specimens in the capital L large category. If you are interested, you may make a knowledge religion. Nope. Undead. I don't have any religion. I know about mine and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm tempted to, to move 
yeah, toward a diagonal one, just so that it, it, I'm not as easily flanked. Okay. There are four of them spread out across the back wall. Because hmm. for at 20 feet of movement, you could get to the one that's like closer to us on the uh, to our left. Yeah. That's probably your best target. Yeah, because then you'd be able to like if it if anything did move you could like to flank me you could easily move into the flank so let's do that so the one that's uh forward but more to the left of the room okay. i'm gonna go for that one that's in the corner Citra reacting the fastest of anyone in the group spins uh pushes past masika and rushes back towards the nearest one before it can you know as well, it steps out it starts doing that cat thing where it crouches down and it starts to shake its butt to get its traction in <laughs> And you're I like, know. oh god, stop it! It's calibrating. I figure she, yeah, I figure she looks back at Masik and is like, "You better get to that thing working quick." That's the plan. All right, so Citra goes rushing forward. Uh, you guys were moving into a dangerous place, so I'm going to assume that you had your weapons out, even though I don't oh, believe yeah. anyone stated it. Well, Masika probably didn't have any weapons out just because she's fiddling with the thing. Well, yeah, she's got a control rod in one hand and this glowy orb or this glowy uh, battery orb th- power battery source in the other. Triangle. I kept wanting to say, well, it's tri- triangularly shaped, so it's this glowing triangle of power in her other hand. Is it flat? Yeah. Oh. Picture it as the triangle-shaped arc reactor is mm. basically oh, what it is. Okay. Okay. Huh. All right. She has her triangle manipulative in her hand. Yes. <laughs> okay. Apparently so just like, like triangles. Citra shouts that at Masika, runs forward, and then attacks with her kukri. Crap. Um, unfortunately, I roll real bad. Uh, apparently, she still has some unresolved trauma from the last Uboshki. <laughs> uh, I rolled a two for a 17. Oh, no. A 17 will still hit your flat-footed uh, target hey, as you dive to the floor, go. bringing up your blade and stabbing down at this Can thing. I still get my sneak attack, yes? Uh, yeah, it has not moved yet. Yay. Oh, that was a real good roll for most of it. Okay. They're not immune to electricity, are they? Or at least go ahead and give me the electricity damage. Um, so that is 28 regular damage and one electricity. <laughs> Woohoo! It's a little shocking. <laughs> Gives them a little, little zap there, a little static electricity going off. But you dive to the fore, manage to bury your blade into the side of its neck and wrench to the side, hitting some of the, uh, the bones and knocking free its floating clavicle as it goes skittering across the floor. Ew. The thing roars out as arcs of lightning stream across it and some of the linen wraps and the dry flesh begins to catch fire. Um... Because I don't know how strong these are, I'm going to go for the attack roll. Okay. So I'm going to disorient them. So minus two to the group, minus six to me. All right. Speaking of, that takes us to the Boschke. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the one that you just stabbed will fall out attack you. I figured. Minus six. This is going to be kind of rough. Still, uh, well, that is with the minus six. So 22? No. No, that's like a 14. And that's, no, that's just a 24 because that minus six. Nope. All right, so you managed to avoid this one. The As it kind of turns again, its front leg seems to be operating, its front left leg seems to be operating oddly as it no longer has that support of its collarbone as it just stumbles around and tries to bite claw claw. The next one just takes a five foot step forward and attempts to repeat the same process. This one not debilitated. However, rolling poorly. That's an 18. Nope. There it is, probably. That's a 32. Yeah, that one will get me. Yeah. And go ahead and go with that last roll there. It's a 27. No. So it does manage to get one claw in on you, striking you for eight points of damage. And sorry, I should have done this one on that one. 
turn before I moved on, but I was... The first one will, as a free action, let out a horrifying howl as it screeches diving to the attack. I will need a will save from everyone within 300 feet, which is the point. And probably some people upstairs since the door's open. (laughs) Yeah, is this like a fear effect or anything? This is a uh, sonic mind-affecting fear effect. Okay, cool. Uh, Hollis rolls a 16 for a 25. Uh, Sudi rolls a perfect 20 for a 32. Nice. Masika rolls a 16 for a 32, and Narmer's immune. I know no fear. (laughs) Well, Sugar can be scared. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) Sitcher rolled a 4 for a 12. Oh, no. Well, that seems right. Yep. So, Citra, uh, you are frightened. Uh Uh-oh. Of course I am. As you feel this overwhelming fear roll over you. On your turn, that means that you will uh, flee from uh, the source of your fear, this Uh cat, as best you can. Frightened Keytree takes a minus two penalty on all attack rolls, saving throws, skill checks, ability checks, uh, can use its special abilities, including spells to flee. Indeed, if the creature must use such means, if they're the only way to escape. Wonderful. So, yeah. Does the second cat also yell? As the second cat also lets out a horrifying, yep. frightening howl as it begins to let out this caterwaul. I will need another will save from the party. Uh, keep in mind that Citra has a minus problem. two penalty to this. This yep. is a real problem, y'all. This is a real problem, y'all. I rolled oh, a God. nat one for a 10. Oh, God. I roll a nat one for a 13. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> two of us nat wanting. Oh, no! We're all running. Masika rolls that a time. 10 for a 26. Uh-oh. Okay. Masika's yeah, going to be solo in this fight. That time I rolled a, a 12 for a 20 minus 2, which gave me an 18. Well, you're already running. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, 18 will see. Well, actually, it would matter because it would make her panicked, at which point she would drop her items. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it can get worse. I'm yep, not holding so, any items. Sudi, you are frightened. Hollis, you are frightened. Oh, <laughs> God. Boy. Boy, howdy. As this wave of fear overwhelms the two of you. <laughs> this is so bad. Wow, we are. It's because there's four of them. Well, we got two more saves to make. I know. I was going to do lightning arc. It was going to be rad. Nat one. I know. For both of you. Jeez. And that's yeah. my best save. I'm pretty willful. But uh, We're going to uh, need to like smudge the house, apparently. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> we need to go get the cats. <laughs> Plus the table. So, yeah, you know, Hollis just takes one look around and goes, nope, uh-uh. turns, grabs her hat with one hand and begins to run off. And Sudi poofs up to double his side, hops <laughs> sideways <laughs> twice and then turns to run. <laughs> the third Uboski will rush its way forward to bite out at Citra. Oh, it was being such and a good it mind. will go ahead and take a charge attack. Uh oh. Which might have done it for it. 32 to hit. Yep. Yikes. Uh, after this bite, however, I will also need a fortitude save from Citra. Uh, so 14 points of damage as its teeth sink into Citra's arm, and I will need a fortitude save. Well, you know, best laid plans and whatnot. Well, yeah, our, our one problem is bad dice luck. This was really going to turn out nice for my electric art because they were going to be in a pretty nice little line. Alas. Well, I rolled a 14, which would have given me a 22. So it gives me so it gives me a 20. 20. All right. It also lets out a horrifying hell. I will need a will save from the party. <laughs> OK, I roll a 17 minus two, 15, uh, 24. I roll a perfect 20 for a 32 again. <laughs> <laughs> My dice are having some chaos. 
That second one was scary. I roll a 12 for a 28. (laughs) I roll a 6 for a 14. Oh, no. Which minus 2 gives me a 12. You're panicked. Panic. There goes your kukri. Yikes. Citra is panicked. Bye-bye, kukri, for a bit. Uh, As she... This thing bites onto her, lets out this horrifying howl right next to the side of her head. As she screams, flails about, the fourth Uboski takes a charge action at Masika. Ah! Launches Joy. itself through the air and dives to the attack. At least they didn't have pounds. Narmer pops out with a spray bottle and squirts down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's citrus. No. Lemon scented. Water. <laughs> Still charging with a plus two for its charge. It gets a 24 to hit Masika. Then no, that doesn't hit me. Very well. It chomps down as it claws and teeth scrape off your uh, new fancy armor. It then lets out a horrifying howl, and I will need a will save from the party. Um, I roll an 11, which would give me a 20, so an 18. So can uh, I, I get to a worse situation? If you fail, I have to keep rolling, and then you use the highest duration. Okay. So, yes, technically you can get into a worse situation because you haven't maxed out the duration yeah. yet. Okay. I roll a 16 for a 28. Masika rolls an 18, 34. Roll a 2 for a 10. Minus 2 is a 8. Oh. Okay. Wow. Oh, rogues. Wow. I even took Iron Will to try to help this. But uh, I just barely can't roll will saves to save my life. I'm a wizard. That's my one good save. <laughs> the Ubosky, we go to Masika. So, Hollis, I'm sorry since you backed up. You're too far away from this, and there's no way I can hit everybody. <laughs> but yep, I'm going to leave. I cast on the defensive for a first level spell. I roll a 15. DC yeah, I roll a 15 plus my caster level 10 is 25 plus my wisdom is like a 27. That will succeed. I cast remove fear. So it's one creature plus one additional creature per four levels. So yeah, you could only affect three people anyway. Yeah, but I've been making my save, but they can't be more than 30 feet apart. So Hollis is Mm -hmm. way too far away. So it kept Jessica safe from the attacks, but unfortunately out of range. So everybody else's fear effect is suppressed for the duration of the spell, which is 100 minutes. Oh, thank goodness. So, um, and... That is much longer than Citrus' four rounds of being afraid. Yeah. (laughs) So Masika does that. Narmer, grab this thing and put it in the slot. Narmer's going to take the power source from Masika and shove it in the slot. Very well. Uh, He will need to climb inside of the vehicle, at which point he is exiting from a threatened square and will provoke an attack of opportunity from the Uboski. Alrighty. That is a 29 to hit. That'll hit Narmer. Uh, for 15 points of damage as it chomps onto the I'm tiny I'm assuming mechanical. these things' teeth aren't adamantine. No. Okay. So I guess 10 points of damage at that point. Gracious, yeah, gracious. Ow. I hope not. Ow, 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 ow. Oh, wait. I can't feel pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in, Mashika. <laughs> Hand me the rod. I'll take care of it. Oh, no. All the controls are so far apart. <laughs> Does he slide the... Uh, it's a move action to take it from you. He then needs to climb inside of it, which is a second move action. So he won't be able to until next turn. Okay. Masika will he stay where she has is. has it stuck in his big catfish mouth. He has flippers. He climbs inside. But he's got to climb inside. He flies. I guess he can fly inside. <laughs> I guess he's tiny size, so somehow he can fly through that two-foot opening in the back. I mean, that makes sense. And then hover there like a hummingbird. <laughs> I am the most graceful creatures. <laughs> From Masika, we go to Sudikantar. Your fur is still on end, but you feel braver again. 
Yeah, okay, so that at least I'm not running away. Um, so I'm gonna take a five-foot step to sidle up onto the left side of Masika. I'm going to embiggen myself. Yep, that side. Uh, embiggen myself and then full out attack the, uh, the, the one that third you can one reach. that attacked uh, <laughs> Citra. Very well. As they form Here, like a form the line. Yep. And uh, shout out to the people on our uh, Discord who told me I've been doing my damage wrong, and when I get big, it's 2d6, not a d10. So Sudi's <laughs> a little bit more powerful, y'all. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I will uh, flurry of blows this cat. Lynx. All right. I think so Sudi steps cats, forward, though. doubles in size. Glad to be inside an ancient Osirian monument or structure where the ceilings are always like 20 feet high. Thankfully, yes. Um, okay, so I roll a five for a 22. A 22 will strike your target. hey Because he did take a charge action earlier. Uh, that is 15 points of damage. A solid blow as your fist connects with this thing. Okay, second attack. Oh, if, uh, if pertinent, Sudi could make an old religion as well. Oh, I'd like to make a knowledge religion also, but I will finish my attacks first. <laughs> okay, so that is a 15 for a 32. 32 will strike your target as you bring your hill up before crushing it down on this thing. Okay, another 15 points of damage. All right. And last attack. Uh, roll a 15 for a 26. 26 will strike your target as you spin around, sliding low, launching out with your fist cracking it in the side of its head. Okay, uh, almost max. That's 18 points of damage. Ooh, nice. Very well. One of its ears goes flying off. I feel a little bad for that. (laughs) Why you gotta make me feel bad, Rick? If it wasn't an undead monstrosity. I know, right? Uh, Oh, and the knowledge religion. Um, I roll a 13 for an 18. You do manage to identify it. Hey. Uh, This is an Ubaski. In specific, this is an Uboshki link. Uboshki refers to any form of mummified guardian or servant taken into the afterlife. The deathless guardians of Osirian's pre-Kelshite tombs are primarily the restless spirits of the pharaohs, their loyal honor guards, and sometimes even mummified beasts. The emperors of ancient Osirian occasionally demanded to be buried next to particularly favored pets, which were carefully sacrificed and then embalmed. Famous examples include Zahur II's desert acclimated firefoot phoenix, the toothed Ankh birds of Mendez V, and the Dream Pharaoh's unsightly six-legged hounds. Perhaps no beasts were thrust into the afterlife so much as felines, however, who were almost without exception buried alongside deceased pharaohs or at the very least inscribed in their burial chamber walls. These cats that rose from the dead, either because of foul magical energies of a pharaoh's crypt or thanks to necromatic magic of a restless undead pharaoh himself, were known as Uboski. Uh, They are prized for being stealthy, agile, preternaturally perceptive sentries that make for effective spies and watchguards for the tombs of the Osirian god kings. They, of course, ranged in size from tiny house cats, which you've fought before, to desert roaming mountain lions. Fun! Unfortunately, I have no questions about the lynxes. Cool. So I guess uh, Sudi will just call out, I think these are like the Obashki, except they're big. (laughs) They're lynxes! I don't know if Sudi's ever seen a lynx in his life, so... If you say so. I mean, they are native to Osirian, but I also don't know if he has any knowledge of nature, so he might not. Uh, no. Actually, Sudi has no knowledge of nature, so I'm just going to assume he's, he's a city boy. Like, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, from Sudi Kantar, we go to Hollis. Hollis flees for her life. Hollis dimension doors up next to the obelisk. Let's oh, be fair. Of course you do. <laughs> that's what, well. that's uh, what Hollis is. Bye-bye. Yep. 
Very well. So Hollis turns dimension doors and just kind of goes, bye bye, grabs her hat <laughs> and then steps through a purple gate and disappears. Boo. <laughs> well, I guess we should have seen that coming. <laughs> Usually I don't abandon my friends, but uh, that's scary. <laughs> I well, I mean, Citra did that the last time we bought a bunch of Uboshki, so she's not really surprised. Just not that fast. Because they're terrifying. I mean, on the plus side, it does show that Hollis has started preparing the dimension doors defensively. <laughs> sure. She kept one in sure. reserve just for this one cash. <laughs> From Hollis, we go to top of the initiative, Citra Nahamra. Well, <laughs> I'm in a dangerous spot. I am going to five foot step uh, closer to the wall. That way, uh, Sudi has some room to Get step in there. in there. Of course, I think all the Aboshki go before you. They do go before me, mm-hmm. so they're definitely going to close that off. I want to um, go diagonal then, instead. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to five foot step back more in a diagonal way. All right. That'll help a little bit. You can't hit any of them from there. Yeah, I'm going to attack first, and then I'll five foot step back out of the way. So. Full out attack. Okay. So I did not drop my kukri because Masika cast the spell to unpanic Correct. me. Okay. You did not technically get an action. You felt the fear beginning to overwhelm you before okay. Masika called upon the divine power of Toth or water or what have you. Well, that would be a, a 19 armor. Uh, for a 34. A 34 will strike your target. You spin and slice, I assume, yeah, the only one you can reach. And that's a threat. That is a hit nice. threat. Roll to confirm. That's probably not going to confirm, considering I rolled a 3, so that's a 18. An 18 will not confirm your critical hit. Okay, bummer, but oh well. At least I hit. Not a great roll. Uh, so that is 9 points of regular, 1 point of electricity. You still managed to slice into it. Are you two weapon fighting? Did you have both I of your not, weapons I out? I did not declare it. Oh, wait. Yeah, you wouldn't have had both your weapons out anyway because you had uh, your sword in one hand and the lens of detection in the yeah, other because you were inspecting that. So. Unless you want to hit it in the face with the lens of detection. Uh, no, I don't want to break that. <laughs> you just angle it perfectly in front of your wayfinder to create a laser beam. <laughs> no, these are not ants. Uh, I rolled a 12 for 22. 22 will strike your target as you bring your blade back around and slice out at it. Okay. Uh, that will be 11 points of regular, two points of electricity. Another telling cut as you begin to slice into this thing, arcs of electricity scouring off of it. You then want to make your slide back? Yeah, we'll just kind of step back a little bit and then I'll give like a, a nod to Sudi. Like, they're all yours. <laughs> so from there we go to the Boshki. The first one that Citra's been tearing apart is going to full out attacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it no longer has the minus six penalty on its attack roll. Yeah. So 26. Nope. Follows that up with a 28. Nope. Follows that up with a perfect 20, which will hit threat. Uh, nope. Geez. Follows that up with a 28. No. <laughs> Yikes. Still manages to get one of its claws in. Uh, although only strikes Citra for nine points of damage as the claw rakes across her thigh. Only... The next Zuboski will take a five-foot step forward and full out attack Citra. <laughs> Fun times. That is a 31, however. Yeah. So bites on the Citra, I'll need a fortitude save. I rolled a nine for a 17. Okay. And it does 16 points of damage. Yeah, I'm getting sliced up pretty good, guys. Masika's mm. going to have to get over there. It will then clutch you twice with a 23. Nope. And a 21, so nope. neither of those will hit. The next one turns its attention towards Sudi, who just cracked good. in the side of the head and full good, out good, attack Sudi. So 29. Uh, yep, on the nose. Bites onto Sudi's nose. Hey. 
Rude. Uh, that was an impressive <laughs> bite. Uh, 17 points of damage as it chomps onto Sudi. I will need a fortitude save. It is disease. Yeah. Hey, perfect. I'm immune. Nice. Remember in Sudi's class abilities. Well, I was just going to make it just because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so it also claws at Sudi. A perfect hey. 20 will hit. Threat. Dang it. Oh, uh, wait. It has a 20. Is it 30% mischance on that? Well, actually, I don't know if a 26 will confirm anyway. Uh, oh, it won't. So. Okay. <laughs> You're just like, I'll immediately jump to my class ability because I don't want to forget it. Yes, this one's important. <laughs> <laughs> Still manages to claw you for eight points of damage. Okay, so that's three. It then gets a 24 for its next attack. No. So you manage to dodge out of the way. It still manages to bite and claw into you, but you manage to dodge out of the way of the last claw and kick it off. Your blood dropping in thick globulates across the floor as it hardens. The third one will full out attack Masika. Or sorry, the fourth one will full out attack Masika. That is a 26. Nope. Followed by a 21. Nope. Followed by a natural one, which will miss. So Masika manages to dance and weave around these things, bringing us to Masika. How bad is Citra? Can I like channel and climb in this thing or do I actually need to go cast a spell? I've been hit five times. <laughs> oh I guess the question God. is how much healing does Sudi need also? I mean, uh, I've been dodging I'm, I'm him pretty right. well, but. I'm only down 15, so I'm, I'm all right. At the very least, Masika doesn't have to worry about healing her enemies if she channels. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. I'm a channel. Okay. So Masika calls upon her divine powers of Narmer. Everybody gets 20 hit points back. Cool. A pulse of energy rolls out through the party. You can see the Uboski kind of like retreat back for a second from this burst of positive energy before realizing it's not concentrated in a way that hurts them and begin to leap back forward like a cat that suddenly sees a cucumber. Masika will do that and then climb into the machine and Narmer's going to shove the power source in. Climbing in there will provoke an attack of opportunity. Alrighty. That still probably isn't going to hit. That's a 21. Nope. So yeah, you can climb inside. And Narmer shoves the power source in. Very well. Can y'all both fit in there? He's a tiny creature. He can occupy As a tiny-sized creature, you can't. Oh, I thought he was small. Okay. No. No, no he's no, tiny. He's, if he was small, he could drive it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. True. But as a tiny-sized creature, no, he can't. So, again, he's only, I think he's a foot and a half tall, which is still technically tiny. It's the size of a cat standing up on their back legs, unless Pretty it's Etsy, at which point he's like two feet. <laughs> so, uh, yep, Masika, you hop inside, Narmer slots this in place. There's an audible click as these three prongs latch in place, like a bezel holding this crystal in the center of its chest. The entirety of the inside of this begins to fill with this tick, 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 and whirling sound as the clockwork built into the inside of it begins to whirl and click. I suppose as you hop in, your feet drop down, sliding into where its legs are to basically rest on pedals where its knees are, as you can just kind of stretch your arms out to where the arms are uh, on either side and grab on the inside of its chest. Your arms don't go inside of its arms. It's mm -hmm. more like you're kind of tucking inside of its body. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're right. in. Sweet. Are there buttons? There are uh, a variety of pedals and levers and such. There are eight in total. Huh. <laughs> wow. I have a random chart if you want to start <laughs> pulling them randomly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you hop Very inside delicious. and uh, so you have partial cover. Mm -hmm because the back plate of this is still open. You don't know which one of these levers or switches closes this hatch. Nothing's labeled. Come on, just a sec. <laughs> well, he built no, it. He, he built, knew. Built it for himself. 
He didn't label how Narmer works. <laughs> Fair. There is no like this side up arrow inside of Narmer. <laughs> I mean, unless or, like, you drew a plus, one. Maybe a plus minus side <laughs> sign for his like little crystal thing, so you know which side to slot into. You don't want to put his batteries in upside down. From Masika, we go to Sudikantar. Uh, okay. All right, so Sudi's going to take a five-foot step forward. I'm going to try to draw the, the uh, attention of all three of the ones that are uh, within range of me, so I'm going to basically just do one attack on each of them. Uh, so, yeah, I'll use a key strike to be able to hit all four of them. All on right. It. All right, here we go. <laughs> so Sudi's basically going to leap into the world and do a Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse <laughs> yeah. kick. Like, just, like, just like the equivalent <laughs> of like a, a monk cleave where he just tries to hit all of them. Hey, yeah, either that or the Neo from, I think it was the second Matrix movie where he like sticks the pole in the ground and starts just oh, and just running running on them. Yeah. <laughs> Citra just ducks. I do have a quarter staff, so I technically could do that. Um, That's true. That's what I imagine you're doing right now is you just plant that and go bam, 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 bam. I think you had that cool. quarter staff with the cool Anubis head on it, didn't you? I don't know. I, I just wrote down plus one quarter staff. I don't remember. Yeah, I thought it was the, the plus one quarter one. staff that you took from the Anubis statue that you fought outside of uh, oh. room with the uh, uh, Nebta Kufri. I know. Anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. No, I think you're right. So I think it's a cool Anubis head quarter staff. Sweet. Okay, so I roll a 10 for a 27. A 27 will strike the first Lynx, the one that Citra has been fighting this whole time. Uh, for 17 points of damage. You spin kicking your foot into it as you slam it against the back wall and it falls into pathetic pieces. Hey! Nice. Well, I mean, I have been slicing into this thing. Yeah. Well, I guess Masika could down. have also still made a knowledge religion check, but oh well. <laughs> she's too she's too busy getting the mech going. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so next one is a 13 for a 30. A 30 will strike your target as your foot kicks out, slamming into this one. Man, it's weird dink of me continually rolling 8s on these 2d6. Uh, so that is uh, 15 points of damage. A solid hit. All right, go for the one that I've been attacking, which is going to be my weak attack. Okay. Uh, that is 10 for a minus 5, 22. 22 will strike your target, though. Wow, okay. Another 8 for 15. Hmm. I'm liking these 2d6, y'all. All right, it's still standing, although battered okay. and broken as it is. All right, and then key point for the last one. Mark my key point. That is a 15 for a 32. 32 will strike your target. Uh, for 14 points of damage. A telling hit as you slam again, you just leap up before beginning to kick roundhouse kick through all four of them. One of them shatters, the others recoil back and all of them turn their gleaming empty eye sockets towards you. So he does like the the Neo, like he puts his hand out and then does like a come here motion. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you got a real Matrix today. <laughs> we're, very, we're very Matrix today. Up on the surface, Hollis now blinking away as your uh, poor <laughs> elven eyes are flooded by the bright light oh, of the uh, daylight outside. The crazy balking of, I imagine, a panicked chicken on your side. As you look about, you can see that cat folk are running, fleeing Away, into their houses, hiding inside. Oh, it's no! a 300 foot radius. <laughs> <Because of> panic. <laughs> as you hit the top of this, I suppose you, uh, do you have another spell you're using or are you? Uh, I guess I'll run, you just run somewhere. 
All right, so yeah, with your freakishly long elven legs, you begin to sprint away 140 feet as you begin to run, <laughs> tearing through the sand, holding oh, your I have hat a chariot with one out hand. here. I guess I could go get on my chariot. Oh, yeah, you're oh, running straight yeah, for your you chariot. You, for the chariot. <laughs> you even made a point to say you did not dismiss it. This is yes, going to be a problem. From, oh my from Hollis's hot side, she just hears, that was the right choice, Hollis. They can take care of themselves. I oh, know. They're fine. They're fine. They'll run if they know what's good for them. <laughs> the chicken being particularly afraid of giant cats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to point out that Citra feels validated now because uh, almost everyone has been affected by the Ob- Oboshki now it's instead true. of just her. It's true. It's <laughs> true. Except for Heather and her ridiculous will save characters. Hi, yep. sorry. Yep. Playing the healer. <laughs> From Hollis, we go back up to Citra. All right, Citra is going to try to flippy floppy behind this one Uboshki so she can get into the flank. That's so, the one closest to her. Yeah, so she's going to kind of do a Parkour like a run move. motion and then try to kick off the wall and hop over it. All right. So, and I do have my acrobatics thingamabob. Rogue's Edge. You only take a minus five for moving your full speed. Yes. And you are going to need to move your full speed because you need to get 20 feet. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. So it wasn't an at 20, but 18, which gave me a 42 minus five, which is a 37. A 37 will succeed even tumbling through its square as you launch yourself forward, kick off the wall flip over the thing, which again is still stumbling and reeling from Sudi's kick and has turned most of its attention towards the monk and away from you. Although maybe not Mm -hmm. after this. And then I will slice into it. Very well. So you tumble to the opposite side, stab out with your blade. Uh, That's a a 19 for a uh, 34. Uh, That will hit. I believe that's a threat. That is a threat. So hit threat roll to confirm. Nope, I can't seem to confirm today. That's a 17. <laughs> is that with the plus two for flanking? That's a 19. <laughs> 19 will confirm your oh, critical hey, hit as your okay. blade slices back around. Yeah, this is probably nice. going to take care of it after how much you've kicked it, so let's see. I know, I only these kicked it are, time. These things have a lot of attacks and do good damage, but their ACs are pretty low. I think you guys have been used to just dealing with things with like high 20s ACs for a while. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like I, I can basically hit these things as long as I don't roll a one, so which mm. is rare. <laughs> All right, so I do 38 points of regular damage and two Ooh. points of electricity. Ow. Oof. Wowzers. So yeah, you bury your blade into the back of this thing. Electricity courses up through it as it spasms and yowls. It's still going, however, despite the fact that its back right leg doesn't seem to be remotely functioning any longer as it drags it behind it, turning back towards you. I was pretty sure that would take it down. Sudi? Working on it. (laughs) All right. I'm going to uh, disorient it again, so it's got a minus two to its attack roll. Okay. Uh, Let's see. It will... Probably going to turn back around and hit her. I was going to say, it actually has intelligence. It has animal intelligence, but it does have intelligence. Yeah, I hit it, but I didn't hit it for nearly that much. Yeah, it will turn, it will slink five feet to the side because even with its animal intelligence, it knows not to let something behind it. Uh, I have step up. I also have step up. Yep, we step after it. (laughs) (laughs) Citra, yes, can use her step up. Okay, I can't because it's not out of my threat range. No, you can't because you're not adjacent to it. Ah, Okay. Oh, okay. So you have to be in base contact with something, and since you were attacking it with your reach. Okay. 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 All right. So yeah, this one turns and full out attack Citra. Uh, minus six will probably do this though. That's a tw- well, no, that's actually that's still a twenty-nine. Ah, oh, on the nose. 
Alright, so it bites you. Go ahead and give me a fortitude save. Yeah, there it is. Uh, that'd be a three for an 11. Okay. Uh, it deals 14 points of damage as it chomps onto you and brings yeah. its claws to bear. And then it claws uh, the first time with a 23. Nope. Yeah, it follows that up with a that's stupid low with a minus six. Uh, nine. No. All right. The other two, Bosky. The first one darts forward. Probably not going to succeed, but it's going to try. Uh, 28 to beat Sudi's combat maneuver defense. Not even remotely close. All right. So it provokes an attack of opportunity as it darts past you. Sweet. I uh, roll an eight for a 25. 25 will strike your target as it attempts to move into the flank. Uh, for 14 points of damage. As you spin, kicking it solidly in the side of its head as the head shoots off across the room like a ball <laughs> and shatters against the far wall. The other links uh, will leap to the attack today. without attacking Sudi. That's <laughs> uh, a 26. No. 27. No. Uh, 28. No. Uh, all right. <laughs> that works. Uh, so it attacks thrice, but unfortunately misses all three times, unfortunately for it. From there, we go to Masika. So, Narmer. Yep. Which one do we press? That one. I press the one Narmer said to press. All right. So, um, chart. <laughs> so, it is a move action, so you can roll a d8. Oh, Lord. I roll a two. Okay. You reach out, you grab onto the lever, one of the levers, you pull it. Slots along the side of its chest cavity slide open, revealing two side holes for you to look out from either side of this thing. Uh-huh. Okay. That's all it does. <laughs> You're like, well, I, I can mean, see that, that's now. That's necessary, because I assume it's just dark in there. All right, I roll a four for the next one. Sudi, like, Masika, you're not entirely positive. You hear the clockwork whirling. Sudi, you see its two fists go, or its two hands go from open to crunching down into closed fists. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing, and I love this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I believe that's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> you, we're in a press again, buttons. pulling some levers. <laughs> You're like, which one of these closes this hatch so I'm safe in here? I want the laser eyes. Come on, there's got to be laser eyes. From uh, Masika, we go to Sudikantar. Okay, let's see if we can't take down the one that uh, Citra just struck. So I'm going to full out attack it. Do you want to take a five foot step into the flank? Although you'll no longer be able to attack the other. Yes, uh, actually, because I can do the flying kick to get back over to that other one if I have to. All right. Um, okay, so five foot step over. Going to go ahead and take an attack. That is a six for a 23. A 23 will strike your target. Oh, sorry, 25 with the flank. Uh, five, that is uh, 12 points of damage. A solid hit, although it is still standing. Okay. Holy crap. Hit. I mean, this one had only been kicked once by Sudi before. Yeah, oh, okay. so it's fine. Um, okay, so that is a 19 for a 36. A 36 will strike your target as you bring your fist to bear. Uh, that's only 10 points of damage. That will bring it down as you crush this thing Sweet. beneath your pummeling fists. And then um, I'll do a uh, flying kick at the other one. So that's part of my uh, attack, which lets me move up to 10 feet. So I'll move 10 feet to be in base-based contact with it and hiya. You do your Liu Kang move. 
Yes, exactly. So you slide to the side, hit this thing twice, turn around, and then flying kick back towards the other one, provoking attack of opportunity from the other one as you close on it. Okay. Uh, natural one, however, will not strike your. It will not strike you as it lashes Ooh, uh, back out at you. Apparently yeah. surprised at how quickly you're able to move between your attacks. Muhammad Ali up here. So you'll get your kick. Okay, that is a six for a a seventeen. A seventeen will not strike your target, however. Okay, and then a key strike will let me do another attack. All right. Just because, why not? Yep. Oh, dice went flying there. A natural one. Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing in you, Dice. Yep, the two of you continue to duke it out, bringing us to Hollis, who snaps free of the fear effect, kind of <laughs> slowing down her run a little bit, going, I really shouldn't huh. abandon my friends. I guess she'll, you know, head back. She goes like, what are you doing? Keep running. Oh, sure. <laughs> I close the... I close the... <laughs> Stay in there. We got to go back. Got to go back. So you turn and begin to make your way back. (laughs) So you can reach the obelisk again. And then the entrance will be, uh, it's 20 feet past the obelisk, which is where the entrance is. And then it's 40 feet down to get back into the room. So you're still about 60 feet away. I'll get there when I get there. All right. So (laughs) Hollis is on her way back. Citra. There's still one Uboski left. Has this one been wailed on quite a bit? Or? I've only it's hit only been once. hit once. Okay. Citra's going to double move to get into the flank. All right. There's not a way for you to do that that does not provoke. Can you do so an like, That's a single move to there. So you could single move to there and then acrobatics past that to get into the flank. Okay. I will try to acrobatics. Not my best roll, though. I rolled an eight minus five. Uh, you don't actually have to take the minus five because you're only you're only tumbling 15 feet at that point. Oh, okay. Well, then um, 32. 32 will succeed as Sitcher rushes forward, waits for an opening before diving forward into a roll springing up behind the Uboski opposite Sudi, which will take us to the Uboski, which slides off to the side to try to get out of that flank. I step up. Very well. I don't need to. Yeah, you're still, because of your size, yeah. you're still flanking. It will attack Sudi. Okay. And full out attacks. That is a... It's 21. No. 21. No. Now that might do it. 30. Yes. My good luck streak with those just ran out. <laughs> yep. So you managed to avoid its bite kind of grabbing onto its head, bringing up your other arm and blocking its claw before its other, its right claw streaks and rakes across your stomach, leaving four four furrows for 12 points of damage as it cuts into you. You're still just kind of like holding its jaw with your other hand, trying to push it back off of you as it tries to bear you down. Fortunately, despite the fact that it is so big, it's mostly just desiccated skin and bones. There's very little weight to it. Masika. I'm going to press the button next to the one that made it make fists. Maybe that's the attack button. The punch button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. a fifty shot on whether you punch Sudi or the cat. <laughs> uh, so you grab the one that's to the left of that, at which point it, it brings up its arms into a... You can use a... If you want to hit the switch next to that, it is a standard action instead, because okay. apparently you do have to exert force on uh-huh. it. I'll do that. Doing so, you may make an attack roll with a plus 12 bonus. Whoa! Whoa. Nice. Nice. Uh, I roll a 16, so 28. Uh, The fists 
swipes out at the Uboski, launching sideways, striking the side of it for 2d6. Nine. Slamming into the side of the Uboski, which tumbles to the side, as I suppose Citra and Sudi just kind of look over Masika. <laughs> yeah, again, you can see out of the side porthole to see this thing because you just kind of did a sideways back slap <laughs> at it more than anything else. I hit uh, it. You still have a move action left. We hit it. Um, press another, hit another button. Hit another button. <laughs> okay, you so far hit, uh, you've pulled levers three, four, and. Two. Let's see what lever one does. Very well. Uh, so you push forward the lever on lever one, at which point a triangular shape, that carved shape in the front of its chest slides open, giving you a forward view. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now you can see what's in front of you. Ah, excellent. Oh, man, this now is amazing. <laughs> yep. This is amazing. And with the back hatch open, you can actually see it all directions now. <laughs> nice. Sadly, it doesn't give you all around vision. <laughs> no. It just actually lets you see. We hit it. I feel like a turducken again. <laughs> it's kind of like a mount ducking. My mount is inside of a bigger mount. <laughs> I'm not your mount. We've been over this. From Masika, we go to Sudikantar. Uh, okay, I'm going to full out attack this uh, guy. Well, that was a two for a 21. A 21 will strike your target. Hey, for 14 points of damage. Still going as you slam your foot down onto him. Okay. You raise the foot back up. <laughs> that is a three for a 22. <laughs> 22 will strike your target as you drop the foot back down. <laughs> uh, okay, that is 15 points of damage. It is still going. Good gracious. All right. Last attack. That's you try a rib miss. punch at this point. Yeah. Um, so that is 16. A 16 will not hit, though. You just can't yeah, get an fine. angle on it. That's fine. I rolled very poorly that entire round. Hollis, uh, I believe your double move is 70 feet, correct? It is indeed. So you can get past that, get down there, and get 10 feet into the room as you go running back down the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> Citra, you kind of glance over. Masika, you can now that you have the forward hatch open, you can see Hollis dart back into the room. Welcome yep, that's back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> what are we doing back here? Sugar's very upset, but it's okay. I got her trapped in her little satchel. <laughs> There's still one of them left. It might be the one I'm afraid of. Uh, from Hollis, we go to Citra. Uh, Citra is going to full out attack. All stab right. it. Stab it. You flip your kukri around. You slice out with it. All right. I rolled a uh, nine for a 24. 24 hey. will strike your target as you dive forward. So that is... Uh, 23 points of regular damage, two points of electricity. Very well. So you leap onto the back of this. It's like as Sudi has his forearm up underneath its jaw and is keeping it from biting him as it shoves it back. You leap onto the back of it, plant your feet between its ribs so you can leap up with enough force, drive your blade into the back of its skull. The thing convulses before collapsing into a pile of dust and ash beneath you as you fall forward onto this desiccated remains. Think I got it. Mm. Okay. Oh, good work, y'all. Good work. <laughs> I think we've also got this. He kind good of gestures over at the mech suit. I think wow. we've got this working too. There, there's more buttons. Hmm. Push all the buttons. We all stand back as it as, it, as, as she pushes <laughs> all the buttons to should, find out what they do. Maybe we should save experimentation until we finished clearing the room. This room is and, clear. There's no other enemies. 
are there any other doors or anything there? Or is this literally just one room? It's just one. It kind of reminds you again of Chistasek's other workshop that you saw. Oh, there might be a hidden door. Yeah, you can search the outside of the room if you so wish. Yeah. I'm so, going to search. Me too. Um, you said Masika's legs. legs are down in its legs. Yep. If I try to walk, does it walk? It is a 20 foot movement speed. It is a move action. It kind of just trundles along as you just stomp your way forward. Masika's like, I'm never getting out of this ever again. <laughs> Everyone needs to come over to over to me if they want healing ever again. <laughs> that is rad. What does Citra get for a perception check as she searches the room? I get a really, really bad score is what I get. Uh, oh, wait, I mean, no, I'll, that's I'll, a... I'll search too, so... No, no, I read it wrong, so never mind. <laughs> I thought I said four, but it said 14. <laughs> So that's Goodness. better. Um, but that gives me a 33. It's not my best roll. That's a pretty good might roll. Be enough. Did you use it's your still glass? pretty good. I did lo- use my glass. So I started with a 19. You do not find any exits out of this chamber. You do find what appear to be some uh, crates that are not as old as the rest of this place. Hmm. The he- guy's keeping his stuff in there. Yeah. It does contain a variety of different items. Hey. Magical items. Hollis hot, like scuttles over and looks down. There are two magical auras coming from here. Ooh, nice. magic. God, I keep rolling 10s on my spellcrafts. Uh, I get a 31. There we go. That's a 16 and a 37. So digging through here, you find a plus one Kopesh. Ooh. I suppose you kind of retrieve that. Uh, it has a, uh, it's well crafted and has a scarab for the uh, pommel. Huh, fancy cool. Kopesh. You also find a water elemental gem. Ooh, water Ooh. elemental gem. How sweet. Uh, and anyone that wishes to may make me two appraise checks. Somebody who has intelligence should do that. Oh, Masika will slide out of the... Sadly hops out. (laughs) (laughs) I got a six for a 17, and then I got a 12 for a 23. I got a six for a 12 and a 16 for a 22. Okay. I got a 12 for a 22 and then a 16 for a 26. Okay. That's a high appraise. Wow. Masika has ranks in appraise. Bowsers. You find a string of amber beads, which Masika can determine is worth at least 400 gold pieces. Hmm. You also find a silver circlet with wave design set with a pearl in the center of it. Ooh. Worth 250 gold pieces. In addition, you find uh, 2,000 gold pieces in loose coins. All right. Um, Masika's going to cast Legend Lore on the mech suit. Doesn't that take a while, though? If the object or person or thing is at hand, it's only 1d4 times 10 minutes. Oh, okay. And it says, as a rule of thumb, characters who are 11th level or higher are legendary, and that um, as they are sorts of creatures they contain with magic items they wield and blah, blah, blah. So I should be able to find out information about Uh, this suit with it. Except we're only 10th level. Chisisek. Well, it's not about us. It's about Chisisek. Chisisek Uh, is over 11th level and he created this, so I should be able to use legend lore if I'm reading that the way it, if I'm interpreting it correctly, to determine information about this. This is uh, 11th level or higher major magic items that they wielded, Mm -hmm. places that they performed their key deeds. Yep. And the thing is right here. Focusing on this, casting legend lore. (laughs) Hollis does pocket that water elemental gem. I roll a four, so it does take me 40 minutes. Citra okay. would like to search the room again because she knows that Chisisek is a secretive dude. And so she wants to try searching again. Can I take 20 if I'm taking the time like to like really scour each area? Yeah, I mean, you we're going to be in here for a while. So if I, mean, I do yeah, that, then I get like... a 
Um, the next 40 minutes, at least. Yeah. yeah. I suppose Sudi can go upstairs and tell all the cat folk that were panicked because of the howling that everything's fine. It's dead now. Oh, yeah, they, they ran. Yeah. It was it was it was wild. Yeah, Sudi, Sudi will go try to soothe everyone, although his diplomacy is bad. OK, Citra is searching the room, taking 20. No, it's just this one chamber. His other mm-hmm. workshop was just the mm-hmm. one chamber, too. No, we found the secret door. It had collapsed. There was another room, I believe. That was the secret exit. Masika, using legend lore, you are able to identify this as the Bronze Sentinel. Uh, designed by the famed architect Chisasek and built by a group of forgotten arcanists and researchers in a secret outpost deep beneath the Osirian Desert. The Bronze Sentinel is a magical vehicle shaped as a 15-foot-tall bronze humanoid statue crafted in the shape of a muscular man wearing a silver headband that resembles two serpents twined together. When the Sentinel is active, its eyes shine with a green light and the triangle of runes on its chest glows silver. You can determine that Chisasek designed this and crafted the construct or crafted the various pieces for it. However, Chisasek died before ever using it. Worried about the power of the device, one of Chisasek's apprentices took the power source as well as the control rod for it and then hid them in his own personal tomb, which was later raided. Mm. Close examination of it. Uh, reveals that there are uh, eight unable, unlabeled levers and pedals. These controls allow a character inside to activate and control the Sentinel's movements and actions. Operating lever is usually move action. However, operating the lever to attack is a standard action. Uh, no lever can be operated more than once per round. You are aware of the following. Uh, it has eight levers. The first lever uncovers or covers the forward porthole. The second lever uncovers or covers the side holes. The third level lever extends the arms to attack or lowers the arms if you no longer wish to attack. The fourth lever closes or opens the hands. While the hands are open, they cannot be used to attack. Uh, there is a safety feature, so you cannot karate chop. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth lever moves the moves it forward or backwards. The sixth lever turns it. Uh, so you actually do have to turn. And in essence, well, if you need to move other than in a straight line, you actually have to use two levers. Mm-hmm. So in essence, it's two move actions if you need to both turn and then move forward. Imagine it kind of like flying where directionality actually matters. Hmm. The seventh le- lever opens or closes its eyes, which have continual flame and act oh. as a bullseye lantern, providing light in a 60 foot cone ahead of it in dim illumination for 60 feet past that. Hmm. Cool. Lastly, the eighth lever closes or opens the hatch. Did you climb in through? Well, there you go. Oh, so there's no magic eye beams. Sad. Nope. Uh, the Sentinel's hands can grasp objects as small as fine in size. Oh, wow. wow. With extraordinary dexterity and can make slam attacks. Uh, the Sentinel cannot swim and will just sink. <laughs> it, however, can function in a water up to 900 feet deep before its uh, uh, water type seals give way. Uh, if its portholes are covered, it holds enough water for a medium operator to survive for 1d4, or sorry, holds enough air for a medium operator to survive for 1d4 hours, plus one. Wow. Huh. So you can feasibly just walk under vast <laughs> stretches of water. Uh, it has the following statistics, which I'll go ahead and give to you. It is large size. It has an AC of 20. You're not getting out of the way of much of anything. It has a hardness of 15 because it is made of pure bronze. Uh, and it has 150 hit points. A speed of 20 feet, it can do two slam attacks at plus 12 for 2d6 each. Uh, it has a CM combat maneuver bonus of plus 14 if you decide to grapple something. And a combat maneuver defense of 24. 
while you're inside, if you have only the portholes open, so if the hatch is not open, you have superior cover, so a plus eight AC bonus. Um, And as long as the portholes are open on a side that you can see out of, you can also, you still have line of effect. So I could spell cast. You can spell cast out of arrow slits from inside of it, basically. But you can't do any touch spells. That's pretty cool. Uh, You cannot do any touch spells. But you can still shoot beams and fireballs and lightning bolts and all the rest Mm. of that out from inside of it. Uh, And again, it has a hardness of 15, so it ignores the first 15 points of damage done to it by any source. But uh, we and 150 hit points. I can, uh, it can yeah. only be repaired with mending or make whole or things like that. Yeah, I, think I don't I know if Hollis that. has that. I might. So, oh wait, no, it's a uh, mending only affects uh, up to a 10 pounds of object. Yeah, so it would have to be a make whole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it affects an object hold. of up to one pound per level. But yeah, you'd need make whole to actually repair it. Yeah, then that's not on the shaman list. And then, as previously stated, it's ninety thousand gold. It is a 90,000 gold magical item. It uh, is a caster level of 19 and weighs 500 pounds. So good luck dispelling this. Wild. It doesn't move very fast. And it doesn't even hit all that hard necessarily. No, it's more of a defensive thing. Again, it, yeah. it's kind of like having a watchtower on legs. Yeah. That it's like, I can sit inside of this thing and fire out from arrow slits nonstop. Imagine if you had a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a gunslinger inside of this just going kerpow. A little sniper. How okay, how fast does the tribe usually move? Like when we're traveling, I'm assuming we're not hustling or anything like no, that. Just a, I mean, at a leisurely pace. Not everyone is riding a camel, so yeah. most people are just walking along. So while this might not be feasible for us to take on the adventure, this could be a good thing for the tribe to have as a walking freaking fortress if we were, if the whole tribe was attacked while we're on the move. Yeah, I mean, I was also thinking about it for the Amaran as well because let, let's be real, they're not really fighters, so they'd at least have something. Yeah, but their valley is protected by all by the obelisk, which we're definitely not taking. Well, we're well not but the obelisk doesn't anywhere right make now. them unfindable, mm-hmm. it just means that they can't be scryed upon. If pertinent, a large-sized creature counts as four medium-sized creatures, which means that it can eat up four of those six passenger spaces on the Phantom Chariot if they <laughs> wanted to just feasibly Masika could ride around inside of it while it's on the back of the chariot. <laughs> oh my goodness. So uh, taking it with you isn't infeasible as long as you have the Phantom Chariot to drag it around on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll have to it's like just stop like, by and get a scroll and make hole and scribe it so we can fix it because we don't want it breaking. Eh. I mean, it's, it's just super that, you know, while cool, you're in- but I don't know how, like, I don't know, the 20-foot movement speed and... I'd rather be able to move for- and use my actions fluidly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the movement is the difficult because, again, it's like a tank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great for an arcane spellcaster that focuses mostly on like, I'm going to shoot fireballs and scorching rays out of these. Yeah, it'd be good. Good for an evoker. But a lot of the stuff that requires touch spells and things won't. And Masika, if Masika's in it, she can't heal the party either, which is another thing. Yeah. So that's pretty much as long as the portholes are open, you could still channel, but you couldn't deliver. Yeah, exactly. And there are times where I need to run up there and boop somebody. That's disappointing because like that's a super cool item. Put Nima in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not actually the worst idea ever. <laughs> Put Rahi in it. Rahi. Nah, flying is so much better. Yeah. 
No, yeah. yeah. And while she technically is a medium-sized creature, I find it hard. I think it would be very uncomfortable, uncomfortable with her wings and everything else. Oh, totally, yeah. Well, and again, her um, her attack bonus is higher than a plus 12. Like, this is a very good item for spellcasters that focus on, like, blasting off a bunch of spells. Well, I do that, but I also, like, I like to run and hide. But still, pretty rad. And for uh, any of our listeners that are curious, yes, this is a, uh, a modified apparatus of the crab. I knew it! I was like, this looks like the apparatus of the crab. I wonder if anybody ever actually uses this for the rest of the adventure. Oh, I guarantee you there there are players who are like, I'm never getting out of this ever again. Well, I mean, again, imagine if you're you're a gunslinger. Yeah, or if you're playing like a halfling wizard who only has a 20-foot movement speed anyway... Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's there's plenty of builds where it would be it would make a lot of sense. Like you know, wizards. The only reason Masika is not going to hang out in it the entire rest of the game is because she has to be able to move around the battlefield to heal for you healing guys. purposes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yep. Like Rick said, that's you get a meta magic yes. rod of uh, reach or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You could do that with what money? This is my money. But uh, yeah, you finish searching down here, and uh, I guess we go upstairs. Masika's gonna take the rod and the power source out. Well, I'm gonna park yeah, this gonna down say, here. Yeah, I mean, we might as well keep it here until we finish up here, and then if you want to take it back to the beckon, we can do that. But I mean, it's perfectly safe here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose ascending up, you make your way back out. I assume inform the the catfolk. Hey, we took care of that thing. Also, we didn't break your magical protections because we didn't smash you know yeah. <laughs> anything down there, blow up the place. So I suppose then you. Uh, Inform the cat folk that everything's safe down there. Also, if you need to go down there for any reason, you can now. Uh, did Hollis ever the figure out uh, if that aura prevents you from casting divinations out of this valley or just in? Uh, just in. Okay, so I don't have to go out to like cast. We don't. We didn't Message have to leave to cast sending or whatever. I just did that no. just in case because I only had the one and I didn't want to waste it. Okay. Sudi wants to look around at the the general armaments of the Amaran. Do they look like they have access to like magic weapons, armor, things like that, or are they pretty much just like rudimentary weaponry? Uh, no, you don't see any magic weapons here. Okay. Um, like a couple of them have better than regular. Like they have masterwork weapons. Okay. Um, we've picked up a couple of pretty decent items. So we have like a plus one composite longbow, plus one kopesh. Um, assuming the party doesn't really care, um, Sudi will donate those to the Amaran. Sign of goodwill type thing. Are any of them by, trained actually? By donate, I mean I'm putting it in my treasure so it comes off of mine. Well, that's fine, but are any of them even trained to use these things? I mean, the hunters who are mostly warriors are trained in martial weapon proficiency. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they but, should be able to use it. Well, they won't have the exotic for the Kopesh. The bows would be useful. I was going to say, I've got, a more so than any we've got a masterwork weapon. shortbow strength plus two, plus one composite longbow, and a masterwork composite longbow strength plus two. So, I mean, all of the archery stuff would be far more useful to them than any melee weapons. Okay, I'm going to write myself down next to all of those and then donate them to the Amaran. They're very thankful for it. In celebration of the uh, return of two of their own, the Amaran gather together that evening, start up a, uh, a decent-sized fire. Prepare a variety of food, set all of you at a place of uh, honor there as they set up some tables for all of you to make yourselves comfortable. Again, you're mostly sitting on pillows out here in the uh, the desert floor, but they gather all of you together. So at the very least, knowing that you're planning on making the march against the, the cult, you're given an opportunity to have one good meal before you go riding off to fight them. It's mostly Yay. goat. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong Although with goat's that. actually pretty good. Mm, goat. I figure Citra instructs 
Narmer on how to like rip it into small pieces and or smash it into a paste or something <laughs> to actually feed to his scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cat folk out here also do have a, uh, a very potent beer, which is a distinctive red, almost blood red shade. Oh, cool. The, uh, the beer and food and bread flows freely, as I suppose all of you gather together that evening. Enjoy. I believe, Hollis, you said that you wanted to cast a uh, dream spell. Yep. All right. And Hollis has mostly picked out her food and been pretty quiet all night. I figure Citra has been watching you curiously. So uh, are you planning on doing that? Just kind of stepping away from the others? I think it just has a one minute casting time. I mean, I'd probably wait until it was... I, wherever we're sleeping is where I would probably go. And then I would just, because I might have to hang out in this until she's asleep. Probably waiting until later in that evening when you're going to be pretty sure that she's sleeping. Yeah, and then I can hang out in the trance until she sleeps if she's awake when I cast it. So, yeah, I suppose Hollis would probably be the first one to uh, to duck away. Sudi, you're kind of the kind of the man of the hour as far as this, uh, this festivity is concerned. You, you know, people gifts. coming over to thank you, chat with you, little children to come over, asking the, the blunt questions that little children do. Can you punch through this stone? And they hold up things. <laughs> Basically bringing you a variety of things to see if you can punch through them. Because children. <laughs> Masika talks to Nima most of the night, of course. Yeah. Catching her up on what's been going on and why she's out here. Yeah, I was going to say, Nima spends a lot of time asking, you know, about how the tribe's doing, how the others are doing. Masika, of course, doesn't tell her anything about the mask. But other than that, you know, why I'm out here in the desert with these people and what's been going on and how we have to stop the cult. And, oh, I found a giant mech suit for the tribe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, about that. <laughs> she would also ask that once you're able to to send a uh, ascending spell to, at the very least, let the tribe know that she's okay since she's unable to do that herself. Back to those other elders, at the very least. You know, Citra, I imagine, does her best to keep herself distracted chatting with Darmer. Probably. Um, I'm going to call Falto in the morning. Try not to think <laughs> about the danger that Falto might be in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess almost all of you are in a little bit of a weird mood this evening <laughs> as, you know, you're dealing with your variety of emotional issues. Hollis is the first to excuse herself, makes her way off. You can hear all the cat folk uh, well into the night. You think it's approaching midnight by this <laughs> point, still carrying on and such outside. Hey, You've so been you provided sleep, a, so this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, You've been provided like a place to stay, nice. which uh, is a little bit larger than where Nima's staying. But I imagine since uh, Sudi doesn't really sleep, it's not that difficult for you know Hollis and Masika or Citra to share a room. Mm-hmm. And again, you're kind of the first one to go back as Masika's catching up with her mentor and Citra is probably enjoying a chance to have a drink and chat with people and not have to, you know, I think Citra's kind of the most personable. Empathetic? Neither. It's it's more, she's more of a people person in that I think Citra enjoys the crowds and the city and all oh, the rest of that more yeah. than anyone extrovert. else. And so being, yeah, she's, she's the most extroverted of the group. Probably. And so actually being around people is something she's much more comfortable with as opposed to uh, the rest of the group. So it kind of feeds off the energy of the crowd. Hollis, you settle down, lay out your bedroll, make yourself as comfortable as you can, cast your spell, feel that, uh, I believe you have to, you cast the spell and more or less immediately fall asleep to project your consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. As you enter into this trance, your mind floats away again. And you know, the limitations of the spell that you don't actually get to see the recipient's dream or anything like that. More that you just find yourself for a time floating in this black void until you can sense this 
wind around you, you can feel this pulse Dis- distantly. You know, even in your trance, you can still hear the crowds outside, but it seems like it fades back and away, and you find yourself in this black void with this odd sensation like your feet are in mud. Hmm. Not an uncomfortable sensation, kind of this warm mud. And you can feel almost like the gentle lapping of water up to your knees as you stand in this void. And eventually ahead of you, as you blink, you can see this swirling mist that surrounds you, silvery as if lit by the full moon. And ahead, maybe some 20 paces, her back to you, you can see Sarathet's familiar silhouette against the slightly lighter gray of the surrounding mist. Sarathet. I haven't given up on you. I know the state that you're in, and I know that you feel like you may have been abandoned by Nethys, but I need you to understand and know that I am not going to abandon you. I guess that's it. So that's kind of what she says. She thinks about saying something else, and then she doesn't. The figure ahead of you, with her back still to you, turns slightly, and for a moment, it's like you can see a second taller shadow next to her and the gleaming light the moonlight seems to reflect off of this metal golden mask covering her face as she half looks over her shoulder and then you're awake Mm. Hmm. let me cue back up the happy party music that's going on outside that's probably in stark (laughs) contrast to her personal feelings right now (laughs) yeah Hollis just sits quietly and thinks Sudi you enjoy again just You've never been around this many catfolk. The Amaran are much like a cat, initially suspicious and distrusting, but the moment that you've you've allied yourself, you've made it apparent that you aren't a threat to these people. They take you in as one of your own, as one of their Aww. own. You guess Yay. technically speaking, you are. The distant family, distant cousins that you never knew. Again, you sit here, listen to the uh, awkward jokes of Kerva. As he continues to laugh at a variety of different morbid topics. <laughs> Mostly about the wagers of whether or not you guys were ever going to come back out of that tomb. Um, Goodness. <laughs> hey, Hollis came back out. I was going to say, Hollis came back out very quickly. Uh, yeah, he immediately regretted his choices when he saw Hollis running, screaming out of the pit. <laughs> well, it could have been a lot worse if all like three out of four of us ran out. Yeah. It would have been a bad time. <laughs> if it was just Masika inside of a mech suit trying to fight them off. I mean, I guess she could have climbed inside and then right. just, yeah, she could have climbed inside, opened all the hatches and then just channeled nonstop until hopefully they died. But you make yourself comfortable. The evening passes as you chat. Eventually, you know, Masika and Nima make their way off, still chatting as they retreat back to where Nima's staying. Citra, I imagine, not that she's a lush or anything, but probably a little bit deeper into the cups, has gotten steadily louder as she's telling the uh, the cat folk <laughs> stories about On and the races and, you know, Sudi and Hollis, like, flipping over a chariot while they're fighting against crazy Nethians and all these great stories that she has to share. The sound of the crowd becomes a little bit louder to Sudi as he's chatting to the point that it becomes a little distracting until you realize you're hearing a different crowd. Uh-oh. Uh, your eyes probably darting over to your oh backpack, no. which you have sitting next to you. Imagine your eye darting back over towards Citra across the table from you. Sudi, like, oh, geez. 
like tries to lock eyes with Citra and then kind of puts his hand over his face in that way that like it kind of symbolizes a mask and then like takes his takes his eyes and kind of dots that like well not like where you take your full like your palm yeah. like to your nose uh, kind of way I guess because Rick yeah. was just doing the Batman like kind of <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> um, and then uh you know, kind of like glances over to to like towards where they're sleeping, and then like you know starts making excuses to like, oh, you know, I need to, I need to meditate, I need to. Uh, I you really know, I think <laughs> I think this drink has gone a bit to my head. <laughs> you know, and we have a a bit of travel for us tomorrow. So, uh, Suri, I think I'm going to need your help. Walking back to our bedrolls. What do you say? Uh, yes, yes, come. I'll, I'll help you, yes. And all the catfolk are like, man, these people can't bluff. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Actually, what is my bluff? Uh, my bluff is I rolled nothing. a I rolled a 19 for a 25. Okay. I, I, I will or, go sorry, ahead and uh, try to roll, but I have a zero charisma. Uh, to be fair, they don't really know you. They're not really looking to see what your motives are, I and they're all a little 20. drunk right now. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. So we pulled it off. I got a twenty-four. He you got a bluffed 20. well enough to fool a crowd of drunk people. <laughs> Yay! Sudi's proudest accomplishment today. There's a bunch of. There's a whole bunch of people like, oh no, you oh, should stay. Oh, you're lame. As you're like a wandering. <laughs> You know, talking about having to work in the morning while trying to get sloshed with these people. The two of you make your way away from the away from the central fire, away from the light. You know, bidding good night to the new friends that you've made here. Farah obviously disappointed in the the end of your story. Even Kurtesh warming up a little bit to you guys. Oh yay! Then once no one's paying much attention, quickly rush back as Sudi. The sound becomes steadily louder. Again, you feel this tingling sensation it's strangely even though you're not wearing it you feel this coolness on your face like the mask is there weird i suppose you climb up to uh the entrance to your room quickly and pull the mask out yep and kind of looks over at citra make sure no one comes in and make sure i don't go out there i've got your back don't worry is hollis in the room uh hollis you can hear them just in the other room hollis will come in sudi's having another a uh, vision from y- the mask. Yes, of the mask. All right, let me get my notebook. Sudi, like, holds the mask and then just slowly places it on his face. Very well. And we'll pick it up here next time. No? no. I assume that's where you're going with yeah. this. I thought that was where I was going, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, we, yeah. you take out the mask and we'll pick it up here next time. Hey. Uh, you just had to be the one to say yeah. it. next time it. with visions. <laughs> I know, what party am I going to see? Talk to just vomiting in a bush outside of the party. <laughs> this was an important moment to show Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.